Welcome to Hempire. I'm your host, Gabby Boudreau, co-founder of Divine Elements CBD. Find out more at mydivineelements.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm so excited for our guest today, and I think you all will be too. He is faculty at Harvard Medical School and a leading expert on cannabinoid therapeutics. He employs Western medicine and cannabis care to treat a wide array of illnesses. He is additionally focused on stress management, insomnia, and human sexuality. The intersection of cannabis medicine and sexuality is a particular area of expertise for him. He is an accomplished author, teacher, nationally sought-after speaker, and tireless cannabis patient advocate. He founded Inhale MD on the principles that cannabinoids are medicine and patients deserve the very best in medical treatment. His team works with healthcare team members and patients to manage illness, improve well-being, and quality of life. Dr. Jordan Tischler graduated from both Harvard College and Harvard Medical School, trained at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, and is on staff at both the Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. He has spent many years working with the underserved, particularly our veterans. Having treated countless patients harmed by alcohol and drugs, his observation that he had never seen a cannabis overdose led him to delve deep, deeply into the science of cannabis safety and treatment. Dr. Tischler is a frequent speaker and author on a variety of topics related to the medical applications of cannabis. He is the founder and president of the Association of Cannabis Specialists and the treasurer and a board of directors members of Doctors for Cannabis Regulation. Dr. Jordan Tischler, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Hempire. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I, um, that was a beautiful introduction. And I kept thinking, is she talking about me? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I always try to give a great introduction to my guests because I, you know, I choose people who I feel I would resonate with and who I want to soak up information from. One of my main goals for the show is to normalize cannabis as a medicine. So I thought awesome. you would be amazing. So I'm so excited to have you here. Um, Let's, you know, I, I would love to, for you to share your thoughts and expertise on cannabis as a medicine. So I want to know, Dr. Tischler, what is your story? Where did your journey in cannabis medicine start and why? Well, the truth is you pretty much just read it to us, um, which is to say that um, after all of those times through the Harvard system, uh, and by the way, if you manage to go through Harvard three times, which is what I did, then we call ourselves preparation age. Um, <laughs> Having done that, I then went out and practiced emergency medicine for about 20 years. Uh, the last 15 of those years were at the VA. And it really was this thing where I was sort of happily going along, taking care of all of these veterans. And then Massachusetts started talking about cannabis medicine. And I said, huh, what does that mean? Right. And, and there was that aha moment where I said, well, you know, I see an awful lot of guys here sick from alcohol. It really is alcohol on the top 10 list, one through nine alcohol. Um, and then maybe a little bit of uh, opioids and benzos on, on, on that list also. But you know, the point is as an emergency room doctor, you get awfully familiar with the acute presentation of substance misuse and harms. And uh, it's sort of a education by trial by fire. And, and then I sort of went, wait a second, you know, they're talking about this as a medicine and I've never seen anybody sick from it. 
So it can't be particularly toxic, which is of course what we've all been led to believe. So maybe I ought to learn something about this, you know, and that, that, you know, when your fire gets lit like that, then it's a full steam ahead. And I dove into the medical literature. And at that time, you know, people, um, this was a little earlier than that, but subsequently people like uh, Mrs. Clinton would say things politically like, yeah, you know, maybe it's uh, okay, but there's no evidence, you know, I'm like, wait a sec. So even back 10 years ago, when this all was starting for me, there were 23,000 studies available on cannabis. That's a lot to sift through. Uh, and that's what I did. I spent several years sifting through all of that science, trying to figure out what of it was useful and well done and what of it was completely biased and useless and really coming to understand it on the level of the biochemistry as well as the, as the clinical application. And what I came away from that process with, uh, aside from a bunch of knowledge, was also the sense that cannabinoids, the medicines that are come from the cannabis plant, can be used as a medicine, but they have to be used as a medicine, meaning they have to be dealt with the way we deal with other medications, with attention to detail, like what, how much is the dose, how are we delivering it, meaning how do we take it into our body, and how often, and at what time, and all of those things that, quite frankly, when you add it all up, sounds an awful lot like a prescription. Um, and that sort of was the- Additional prescription um, medications is what it sounds like for, was it for PTSD mostly? No, you know, not necessarily. I mean, they just- say, um, you know, veterans have a whole range of problems, which might include PTSD or more garden variety, depression and anxiety, but also, you know, uh, terrible back pain. I mean, remember veterans come in not only all shapes and sizes, but ages, right? So, I mean, I had guys who were um, World War I veterans, World War II veterans. I mean, obviously most of those guys have passed on now, but certainly Korean and, and, and Vietnam era, as well as Afghanistan. And, um, you know, we make too many veterans. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the best way to take care of veterans is to stop making so many of them, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, you know, so many, I saw young guys, meaning like 28, 32, something like that, whose spines looked like they were 75 because they were out humping it with 150 pound pack on their back, you know, and jumping over walls in, in Afghanistan or Iraq. And then they come back and they can barely walk. And the government says, you know, thanks for your service and, you know, go see the VA. And, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, Yikes. Needless to say, you know, when people come in, when they have pain like that, it, it really destroys their life. And the reality is, is we don't have a ton of medicines that can solve their problem, right? I mean, we've got the sort of over-the-counter stuff like Tylenol and Advil and that sort of thing. And we've got prescription strength, but, you know, it's all the same medicine. And then we got opioids, right? And we wonder why people are having so much trouble with dependence on opioids uh, and opioid withdrawal and opioid misuse and, and obviously death related to opioids. The problem is we don't have a lot of other choices. Cannabis is another choice. And for pain, it works at least as well uh, as the opioids without it being nearly so dangerous. Right, right. And we know that cannabinoids work on opioid receptors. That is well documented. 
connected. And so it's so cool that you were able to witness that and practice the effects of prescription medications versus cannabis on these really terrible ailments that a lot of people deal with, not just veterans, but that you, you know, you, you were able to witness that and it opened your mind. It kind of sounds like to the, um, you know, to the potential that cannabis therapeutics have. Uh, So that's, that's really interesting. And um, we need more medical doctors and people like yourself who are open-minded about it. And I think that it seems like there's a growing, you know, kind of community of medical doctors who are more interested in cannabis as a medicine and want to educate themselves on cannabis as a medicine and, you know, be able to confidently treat their patients. And, but it's, it, it seems like maybe, and you can probably, you know, really correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like there's not too many resources for medical doctors and clinicians, nurses also um, for, you know, cannabinoid medicine. And I guess, do we, do we need to start just with the research? I know we have, like you said, 23,000 studies that have been conducted already and probably more than that now, but how can we help medical doctors um, educate themselves on cannabis and cannabinoid medicine? Where does that start? Glad you asked. Um, So first of all, the number is now about 35,000 studies. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a rapidly exploding field of research, and that's great. Um, but you know, when you have a number like 35,000, it is really difficult to sort of do that homework, right? It's just to delve in there and make sense of it. Um, and that was part of the reason I founded the Association of Cannabinoid Specialists. Um, part of it was that I wanted to gather together, as you had sort of said, a community of clinicians, physicians, and, and others um, who really wanted to take care of the patients. That it wasn't just a matter of like, yeah, sure, dude, here's a card, go get some weed, you know, that, that doesn't fly in my universe. We need to take care of our patients with cannabis medicine, just the same as we would with any other medicine. So this became kind of the rallying point for uh, clinicians of good faith. And we've now got, you know, many people participating. In fact, I just got off uh, a meeting of our advocacy committee that we're, we're trying to figure out how to be helpful and respond to Chuck Schumer's new cannabis legalization bill. Um, but the, the key, getting back to your question about education, is, is, is spot on. So we have a whole bunch of resources available for cannabis clinicians, including a 20-hour uh, educational course that people can take, um, smaller, uh, sort of more bite-sized video instruction things. We've got what we call the handbooks, which is kind of familiar to clinicians from when they were training. Uh, we used to carry these uh, spiral bound books in our little white coats. And now obviously it's all on, on one's phone, but the concept is still there. We have a curated library of kind of the key studies in each area as it relates to various types of illnesses and, and risks. Um, so it really lets these clinicians get in um, and, and work through this information in an easy, digestible fashion um, and sort of to explore it to the depth that they're interested in. And I think one of the key things that, that we do is we do mentoring, right? So once you've started to read this stuff and started to digest it and integrate it into your thinking, it, then you go off and you start seeing patients and what do you do next? Like, how do I know that I'm saying the right thing? What happens if a patient comes along and they have some sort of more unusual 
uh, problem. This is a place where then these the, the members can come back and say, you know, sit down with me and a bunch of their peers and we talk about the case and we, we get to understand what's at stake and how the best approach it. And I think that that is something that's been universally loved by our members. That's great. And so that's the Association of Cannabis Specialists. Is that the correct name? We, we actually changed the name just recently to the Association of Cannabinoid Specialists because we wanted to expand beyond just thinking about, you know, the plant material itself and start to think about the constituent parts and that may in, in fact come from the cannabis plant or they may come from a sort of more pharmaceutical uh, manufacturing process down the line. So, um, so the, the, the name now is Association of Cannabinoid Specialists. That is so great. I'm so pleased to hear that you've started this organization and it sounds like it's such a great resource for physicians like yourself who are just interested in educating themselves more in cannabis and cannabinoid medicine um, and how to confidently use it in practice. So this is great. This is exactly what we need for cannabis as a medicine for all. I think it's wonderful. I, I'm so happy to find out about this and I'm going to spread the word about it um, to anyone that I mean. I do come across, you know, um, doctors and nurses Nurses in in our store and our through our CBD brand who you know express interest and I just never really knew of a resource for them for you know to find out more um, about cannabinoid medicine so this is a great resource um, and that kind of brings me to my next point is a few you know in a few episodes I've had um, the conversation about the importance of seeking medical consultation when implementing CBD or cannabis into your medical protocol just in general but especially if you are on prescription medication it's so crucial to to seek medical advice before you incorporate any new supplement and and that includes CBD or cannabis uh, just because something's natural does not mean that it, it won't have an adverse effect if taken improperly or you know that it has uh, if you take the incorrect amount so so, um, you know, we previously thought the endocannabinoid system was closed circuit, and that has been proven to not be true for quite some time. We know that endocannabinoids work on other receptor systems in the body, and it, the endocannabinoid system creates a downstream effect. So naturally consuming, you know, any form of cannabis should ideally be guided by a trained physician who understands the function of cannabinoids and cannabimimetic compounds and their effect on, you know, all physiological systems. So. I, I love, you know, the Association of Cannabinoid Specialists, what you have going on. Can you touch on, though, why it's so important to seek medical advice um, or really do your research when you're starting cannabis or any other cannabinoid um, compound? You know, I think you, you really hit on, on a, a number of points there. Um, cannabis is a medicine. It's going to have risks and benefits. It's going to have side effects um, for, you know, one of the things I find very interesting and, and challenging in this sort of cannabis I don't want to say industry, but industry slash universe, right? Is that the people who are in it sort of expect that the rest of the world outside of it looks kind of like what they're used to, right? And, and, and so if people are used to using cannabis in one form or another, there is this expectation that, that everybody will just kind of be able to figure it all out. And most people don't want to figure it out. They want to be told, you know, here's what you need, take it this way and you'll feel better. And then they go home and hopefully when they do that, they do feel better. I mean, that's, that's sort of much more typical than, than somebody who really wants to delve into the inner workings of the endocannabinoid system. That's sort of, you know, the reality is this is why doctors and other clinicians exist is that we have this knowledge that we can then funnel down to help people um, without the people having to go to medical school in order to get their own help, right? Um, so, yeah, it's really important 
to, to do this under some guidance and guidance preferably in the people who know not just about cannabis and the endocannabinoid system, but really about medicine in general, because you know there are drug interactions that you mentioned. Uh, that's a huge issue. There's always some risk of what happens if you get too much or uh, what to do if you have um, uh, you know, an, un, an unusual reaction to the, these medications. Um, and then, you know, there's also some risk of uh, if you use too much of this, there's some potential downstream complications. And these are all things that need to kind of be discussed uh, so that people who start on this medicine understand what the benefits and risks really are. And then I think it's also really important that, that it's not kind of a one-time event, right? That, that, just like if some if your doctor put you on a blood pressure medication, uh, she'd follow up with you and make sure that your blood pressure has gone down enough and that your kidneys are functioning properly and that your potassium level is okay and all of those sorts of things. And, and in reality, people need their doses adjusted. There are um, things that we need to worry about. There's also, unfortunately, in this industry, a fair bit of pressure uh, at the point of sale that tends to increase people's use or increase their, uh, you know, cause them to, to look at other products that are other than what uh, is ideal for their medical situation. So all of that, you know, falls into that category of following up frequently with the doctors so that you, you know, maintain a healthy uh, and, and helpful relationship with these substances. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just further proof also that we need to look at treating the state of our physical and mental health in a holistic way. And whenever I know whenever I look at my mental and physical health in a holistic way that it makes a huge difference versus when I mean, I've been on antidepressants, I've been on, you know, anti anxiety medications for whatever reason, and a lot of people have and I, I had horrible experiences with them. Um, but I didn't try doing things in a holistic way. And then I had this wonderful integrative medical doctor that was about seven years ago, who said, you know what, I'm gonna put you on CBD, because I told her the the Xanax and the Wellbutrin is making me lose my mind. And I can't, I can't function. So she said, I'm going to try you on CBD. I want you to start meditating. I want you to do some yoga. I want to look at your diet. And all these little factors came into play. And I became this brand new person and I felt so good. And it had, it had been, you know, I was in a, I was in a state where I, I just didn't think I would ever feel normal or good again. And so it's looking at the health of, you know, us physically and mentally in a holistic way. I think it's so important and it, it starts with somebody who's trained in medicine in general, like you're saying, but who can really specialize in cannabinoid medicine. So um, I, I, I wholly agree with you on that. And um, I, I think it's great what you're doing. And you touched on a point that I also want to bring up, which is, um, and you also did recently did an interview on this on, I think it was pharmacytimes.com um, in which you discuss a, a problematic area in terms of access to medical cannabis for patients, which is, um, the huge lack of unbiased uh, dispensing of cannabis. And I feel like this is one of the biggest missing puzzle pieces in today's dispensary models for patients. Um, can you talk a bit about this issue that patients are experiencing right now? Well, um, if I understand your, your, your question, uh, which I may not, um, I think that really the issue is that it's very difficult for a dispensary, and in particular, the patient service advocates at the dispensary, to do this su subject justice, right? That is to say, they haven't gone to medical school, they haven't gone to pharmacy school, so it's a bit of a challenge for them 
to be in the position of giving medical advice. Um, and it actually not only puts them in sort of an, uh, a subject matter area challenge, but it actually puts them in a medical legal uh, awkward position because they're really not protected um, uh, you know, if, if they're giving advice that then goes sideways. Um, so I think that you know, where, where, where this needs to go is to make the medical cannabis system more medical. And if we look at the pharmacy system, which as you know, has been around for you know, a little over a hundred years now and has been a steady evolution towards uh, better public safety, uh, there are ways in which um, it's unfortunate that we're kind of reinventing the wheel, but at least we have a model for how this could be done better. And so I think that we need people who are in dispensaries who have a higher level of training, but we also need them to understand um, you know, wh when they're crossing that line and, uh, and, and to, to stop short of that, and then also have resources and tools available to be able to help the patient even when they can't. So one of the things the Association of Cannabinoid Specialists is doing right now is we put together a bud tender training course um, that, you know, it doesn't get into how do you work the inventory system and it doesn't get into how do you, you know, stay in compliance with, with your state regulations because there are plenty of resources for those sorts of things, but it really focuses on, okay, what do you need to know about how to best interact with patients? Uh, what do you need to know, you know, basic math skills, like what is a, a tincture's concentration? Um, what do you do when the patient starts asking you medical questions that you uh, know you don't know the answer to, or you know that you're not really qualified to answer? Uh, what sorts of resources do you need to have available to you at the dispensary level to be able to, to point patients back in the right direction, whether that's back to their cannabis specialist, or perhaps it's simply to get them a cannabis specialist. Um, and so I think that that, that course, um, which is gonna be, you know, it's very short, it's very easy, um, and it'll be really cheap because we want people to take it um, widely, but I think it will help the bud tender sort of know where the line is not to cross and then how to respond to those questions in a way that's helpful to them and helpful to the patient. You know, and it is always my contention that the better we can do uh, in interacting with the patients and providing them with effective uh, products ultimately leads to greater brand or, or, or customer loyalty. And that's in the best interest of the dispensary. Um, so I think that, that, you know, that we can align that well. Uh, and that's going to help patients uh, do better. The flip side of that is that what we really need is a prescription system, right? So that I can write down what I think the patient needs and the patient will, and I can be assured that the patient will get that, right? And that nobody at the dispensary will sort of inadvertently or actively try to dissuade them into doing something else. And unfortunately in the current system, I find that my patients fail cannabis therapy most often because they didn't get what I said they needed to get. They got everything but that. And I mean, I've had literally patients come back from the dispensary with $400 worth of product when I sent them in for like, you know, $45 worth of maybe little cannabis flour. And they've tried all these other things and they come back to me and they say, doc, it, none of it worked. And I say, well, what did you try? Well, I tried this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, well, none of those were the things I suggested to you. Why don't you now try what I actually suggested? And then a few weeks later, they come back and they say, 
wow, it's amazing. It actually works. I feel so much better. I'm like, well, you know, we could have been there six months ago if, if the dispensary hadn't convinced you to do it some other way. So yeah. I think that, you know, getting that prescription state will help with that. And then there's this sort of feedback loop, which is that, you know, if I write a prescription that's not available or, or, um, or the bud tender has a different idea or whatever, then we can have a conversation about that. But at least it isn't this sort of um, nameless, faceless kind of derailing of the patient. Right. So it sounds like uh, in an ideal world or in your ideal world, there would be, you're essentially writing a prescription for a patient to go get filled at a dispensary. Uh, do you think that, and that's not really what's happening right now is what it sounds like. And uh, no. do, you, do you think that evolving the dispensary model to become more pharmacy-like, whether that be the storefronts as a whole, um, being more pharmacy-like or dividing them into maybe a recreational side and a medical side equipped with um, maybe pharmacists or cannabinoid medicine specialists would help solve this problem? Or does it, is it, do you think pharmacies will, will end up dispensing actual cannabis in the future? And, and that kind of is where um, the patients will get the most out of getting their prescriptions filled and not getting anything more than what they were prescribed? I think it, could have gone that way, um, but the prohibition at the federal level really stood in the way of that. Now, as we contemplate some sort of a reform or revision to those laws, um, there doesn't seem to be any thought being given to medical at all. I mean, if you look at the new Schumer bill, um, it doesn't address patient care in the least. Um, so I think that there's a lot of discussion that needs to happen before we really know what, what the next steps are at the federal level. The association has published um, a white paper, which we call the framework for federal uh, medical legalization. And it sort of outlines these things. Um, and so, you know, number one bullet point is that doctors need to be required to write a prescription. Um, and then the, far, the dispensary needs to be required to honor it. And that way there's no fudge involved. And it also makes the physician step up and say, look, I'm not in this just to give people cards so I can make a lot of money, but you have to actually be in it to take care of people because you have to write a prescription. You have to put your money where your mouth is kind of thing. So I think that, that those two sort of connected bullet points are huge. Um, whether that happens by shunting this, you know, the dispensing back towards the actual pharmacy universe versus making dispensaries sort of look and act a little bit more like a pharmacy. Uh, you know, I don't know which it is, and I'm not sure that there's necessarily a right answer. It's just we need to get to the point where the patients are getting what they need. Yeah, I'm interested to see what will happen in the future uh, for the medical programs in all the states, especially once um, federal legalization does happen. So um, I, I think, though, that what you guys are doing at the ACS will really help um, preserve the the integrity of the medical program. So that's really great what you guys are doing. And uh, we don't have a ton of time left. So I want to switch gears um, to something a little bit more fun to <laughs> cannabis and sex. And uh, the intersection of cannabis, medicine and sexuality is a particular area of expertise to you. And so I want to talk about that for a little bit. Um, because I mean, first of all, anybody who's ever smoked cannabis and had sex knows how incredible it is. So there's got to be something going on there. So I figure you can break this down for us, probably the connection between those two. What is going on there? Well, you know, 
as with most things, cannabis, it's really complicated because it's not like there's one, you know, there's not like a, a sex center in your brain that cannabis is going and working on. So it's working at a whole range of levels, um, including relaxation of, uh, of muscles, particularly uh, related to, to the vagina, which is necessary for not painful uh, intercourse, as well as relaxing the smooth muscles around the blood vessels, which leads to lubrication. So we've got all of that kind of mechanical stuff going on, but we also have to remember that, you know, the vast majority of sexuality occurs between the ears, not between the legs. And the effects of cannabis happen, uh, you know, in, in the sexuality process at all levels. So at the spinal cord, it's involved in heightening uh, sensory input and decreasing painful input. Um, at the uh, uh, emotion centers the, in the limbic system, we've got the amygdala, which is responsible for things like aggression and fear, uh, and that gets calmed down using cannabis. Um, people with PTSD have issues with intrusive memories and thoughts, and cannabis affects the hippocampus, which is part of the um, recall, encoding and recalling of memories. Um, and then, you know, we all have these very abundant frontal cort cortices, uh, which is where our judgment lives. And that's a good thing that makes us capable of, you know, um, uh, functioning and not making a lot of mistakes, but it's also where our self-derision lives, right? Oh, you're a bad boy because you want to do something, you know, fill in the kink, whatever. Or, um, you know, you're a bad girl because you enjoy sex or whatever the thing is that sort of ha hampers us. All of these things kind of feed into this area that's called the prefrontal cortex. And that seems to be, to our best understanding at the moment, kind of where we live, our, 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 the you know, the person that we think of internally. And that's integrating all of these inputs. And some of those inputs are negative, like the ones we were talking about from the frontal cortex. So cannabis can kind of calm that all down and lets us kind of be more in the moment, enjoy things and not feel sort of internally persecuted. Um, and all of that goes towards making sex more enjoyable and, and more possible in people who actually have, you know, trouble with, with sexuality. Wow. And what a beautiful thing. I love the way you explained that. And from what I understand, the endocannabinoid system is involved in almost every single physiological process from conception until death. So literally our entire lives from the moment we're conceived at birth and beyond. So that makes, that makes so much sense to me that cannabinoids would have that kind of an effect on us and that much of an effect. So that's really cool. Um, we don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to get your thoughts on uh, cannabinoid medicine. Where do you see the future of cannabinoid medicine going in the next five to 10 years? Well, I think that it's going to be even more useful as we go forward. Um, you know, the federal stuff that we've been talking about may be helpful or it may be actually harmful depending upon how all this goes, but ultimately the science and medicine is gonna proceed regardless. Um, and at the end of the day, we're going to start to understand far better about the receptor systems in their body that, that this is this impact, uh, and also about the various constituents or parts of the cannabis plant, which again gets back to talking about cannabinoids more so than just cannabis. Um, you know, we're scratching the surface right now, and I think that we will get a better handle on this. And then we're also, I think, going to start to see 
pharmaceuticals derived from this, which is not a dirty word. What this really means is that we're going to take, take the lessons that we learn from this plant material and then be able to kind of go the next step and, and really understand them and figure out the appropriate combinations so that ultimately the medications that we use will be even more effective than just using the plant material. And I'm really excited about that, but I, I think that's where we're going. It sounds like the future for cannabinoid medicine and cannabis in general is in general is super bright, and um, you know hopefully we'll see federal legalization that is beneficial mutually for so many different um, you know levels of the cannabis world uh, very soon. And I have faith that we will. And um, it's 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 really it's a great feeling to know that there are people out there like you, um, Dr. Tischler, who are working to advance cannabinoid medicine um, and provide great resources for, for other physicians as well. So it's the Association of Cannabinoid Specialists. Is that correct? That's correct. And okay. our website is cannaspecialists.org. Okay. So if people want to come and check out what we all have to offer, maybe even join or donate a few shekels so that we can keep doing our work. That would be awesome. Wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Tischler, for being with us today. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you so here. much. This Absolutely. was awesome. Absolutely. I'd also like to thank our producers, as well as Divine Elements CBD for making the show possible. Check out our wellness selection of full spectrum and THC-free CBD products that line online at mydivineelements.com. Join us again next week for another episode of Hempire. Thanks so much for listening. And until then, stay well, keep learning, and we'll talk to you all soon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.